0: there we go ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining me for another episode of the typical skeptic show I have an amazing guest tonight you guys I'm so happy to have him back on this is his third appearance on my show we've talked about ancient history but it's always come back to the question of what we're going to talk about tonight and that is consciousness continuing after death and is there evidence for that and he provided that in one of his books called evidence to attorney Eternity. And who I'm speaking of is the psychic lawyer, the psychic explorer, Mark Anthony. And tonight we're going to be talking about his new book. It was submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. It's called The Afterlife Frequency. And it takes on the subject of afterlife and spirit communication to new levels. Um, and I really love talking to Mark. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. He's a fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He's an Oxford-educated attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., before the United States Supreme Court, Mark travels to mystical locations in remote corners of the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. Mark appears on nationwide TV and radio, including CBS TV the Doctors and Gaius TV Beyond Believe with George Norrie. He is the co-host of the live stream show Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network. He's a headline speaker at conventions, expos, and spiritual organizations such as the Edgar Casey A.R.E., International Association of Near-Death Studies, Vail symposium and universities including brown columbia harvard and yale mark anthony is a columnist for the best holistic life magazine author of the afterlife frequency his other bestsellers are never letting go and and i want to have a big welcome for him thank you for so much for coming back on the show mark how are you
1: i'm doing great robert thanks for having me on and happy holidays to you and all your listeners
0: you too man i'm so happy to have you back on the show because it really lifts my spirit when I get to talk to you because you bring that aura of the, the fact that consciousness continues after death. Because here's the thing, I've interviewed people, I think I've told you this before, I've interviewed people from the Monroe Institute on reincarnation and, you know, all I've, I've, I've done the gamut of interviews, but every time I interview you, what I'm saying is after I get done with an interview, that, that, shadow, of, that, that shadow of, you know, if if I die, will I exist after this? And then, you know, I always have that doubt that comes back in. And then when I talk to you, my spirits are re relifted, that this consciousness does continue after death because you speak to spirits and you provide that evidence. And your new book, The Afterlife Frequency, deals right with that. Do you want to just get into it? Can you talk about, like, what is the afterlife frequency?
1: The afterlife frequency, um, wow, there's so much to it. Because the thing is, Robert, let me tell you um, what got me motivated to write this book is, you know, I was born a psychic medium. I'm able to communicate with spirits. My parents had these abilities and it runs for generations in the family. And, you know, when I say that my parents did it, you know, we weren't going around with neon signs in the window going, we read tarot cards. Now, my dad was, <laughs> a, Navy, yeah, he was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer. My mom was a commercial illustrator. You know, we were the family next door, sort of. <laughs> um, you know, we always used to joke that we, we, we we'd never related to the Brady Bunch, but we did relate to the Adams family. So if that gives you any idea. That's um, cool. Yeah. But the, the thing is, throughout my, my life and, and my career, I've seen how the different forms of spirit contact have been treated separately. In other words, um, mediumship, if people come to me for contact through a medium is treated as a separate phenomenon, than maybe a visitation in a dream, like, you know, your dad passed and, you know, maybe you've had a dream or several where you have a coherent conversation with your dad and it feels real. Okay. You're nodding. So yeah, you've had those or it could well, be,
0: here, here, can I tell you what happened? I, I was going to tell you, oh, just hold on, hold on. And, let me go through this and then we'll get oh, to that. Okay. So. All right,
1: there, there's that type of contact, then there's near-death experiences, shared death experiences, deathbed visions, and Robert, they've all been treated as separate phenomenon, and I s- have seen that they're not. Uh, they one second. all have a a common denominator. Uh, Is
0: there, uh, right? one, one second. Hold on, i got to pause this. I have to pause this. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. All, right.
1: all right. You want to start over with that and just edit that? that yeah, out?
0: yeah, I'll edit it out.
1: Okay. All right. So the different forms of spirit contact, whether it's through a medium or somebody has a visitation, whether it's in a dream or they feel that person around them, it could be maybe you had a near-death experience where people die and they, they leave their bodies and they encounter spirits of deceased loved one. Deathbed visions where somebody who is, is uh, actively dying starts talking to and acknowledging spirits of their loved ones and people in close proximity, family members, close friends, healthcare workers also see those spirits. And the thing is, Robert, all these different forms of spirit contact have been treated as separate phenomenon. I mean, the example I like to give is it's like a, a salad bar, mediumships over here, NDs over here, deathbed vision, so on and so forth, but they're not there's a commonality between all of them, which involves energy transfer and frequency alignment. And that frequency that we tap into, that higher frequency is the afterlife frequency. And so when people like me communicate with spirits, or if you have um, a dream where a loved one comes through, or you have a near-death experience, that's all an example where we are raising our brainwave frequency and touching this higher frequency so so that's a very very uh, brief explanation of what that is now you said earlier when we were talking that you had um a visitation from your dad to tell me about well, that
0: no no i was always like skeptical about it because what happened was my dad died when i was 21 And he died of like horrible cancer. Like it was like really rough to see, you know? And, and I was like, I really didn't know how to take it, you know, being that young and losing your dad, you know? But, um, so basically like what I was trying to say was I had dreams after he died, but there was never any communication. Maybe that frequency was hard to hit. You know what I mean? Especially for me being a 20 year old kid, like full of hormones and you know, everything else going through my mind. I was in college at the time. So but what I would say was like when I would go to my grandmother's house where he was raised, I always felt like close to him. Like I always felt like I could lay on the couch and if I had a problem, it would go away. And I always felt like his spirit was there, even though, you know, he lived at the house with me and my mother, you know, and he, he with my mother and he died at that house. You know I mean? He died at all, He died in the hospital, but you know what I mean? I, mean, I understand. When yes. I went to the place where he was raised, I felt like that's where his spirit was with, is there, a con- is there some kind of connection to that?
1: Well, the spirits are capable of communicating to us wherever we are. It's, it's the recipient, meaning you. And what would happen is when you would go to your grandmother's house, there was a whole different vibe going on. Okay. Your grandmother, I mean, who doesn't like their grandmother, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you're in this loving warm environment and maybe you'd lay down on the couch or sit in a chair And uh, um, you started to relax, and then thinking, you know, my dad was raised here. And so, what happened, Robert, is you're shifting your brainwave frequency from, you know, because you're a very smart guy and you got like this high, you know, level of functioning, which is good, but that can create a block. Okay. It creates an energetic barrier. And so, when you're at your your grandma's house and you're relaxing and you're thinking about your dad, the deflector shield lowers and then you start to feel the spirit of your dad and he's aware of that too okay which is why he wants to reach out to you because you know he's he's your dad he loves you he's immensely proud of you and um, what he always admired about you is um, your 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 high functioning your energy he said you're always tireless in, in other words if you wanted to get something accomplished you wouldn't sleep, you wouldn't eat, you just keep going, 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 you know, it's like, um, you're like the army that invades and, and worries about the supplies later on, you know? That sounds it's, like me, yeah. Well, that, that's what he's telling me about you, okay, and that's what he always admired, and the interesting thing is, in, in a sense, you're very much like your father, and, you know, it's, it's sad, um, the cancer that he had, and, you um, Wow, this was a system-wide cancer. I'm getting it. When I say I, I'm feeling like he was. It was in his brain. It was uh, running down his spine. It was. Um, it started in, all of the, in
0: the prostate, but then it went to the, the lymph nodes, it actually yeah. went to his brain. Yeah, it went
1: to his brain. It metastasized. Yeah, I was going to say I'm getting it in in the lower lower abdominal regions, which would be there. And um, it is a genetic proclivity for this. He said, but genetically, you take more after your mother and you don't seem to have the same genetic makeup he did to make you as prone to it. Okay. Now that being said, um, and, and, you know, this is not just to you, but to all the men who are listening, don't mess around with prostate, you know, go to your doctor, get your checkup. It's a simple blood test. They do the PSA, the prostate serum antigen, Keep a, a a track on
0: that. Oh, Mark, but, I'll I would care I'll back you up on that. I'm 41 years old, and since my dad had it at 51, I just got mine checked. I didn't. I had no clue about. It's great to know that I have my mom's genes, but I still got mine checked. I'll, I'll admit, yeah. it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you have yeah, to do it. It's better absolutely. it's better to do it than die of cancer. You know, I mean, I can take take a lot of anti-cancer supplements, you know, like medicinal mushrooms, because, you know, I'm always trying to avoid getting cancer down the road. But, you know, you can do things like that, like you're saying, too. And I do that, you know, like.
1: Absolutely. And um, lycopene, which is um, extracted from tomatoes. People say, well, I'll just eat tomatoes. Yeah, but to get enough lycopene. you'd have to eat five pounds of tomatoes to get what's <laughs> in one capsule a day, five pounds a day and saw palmetto and vitamin K. And I believe vitamin K, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, what's known as the cruciferous vegetables, you know, cause a lot of, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't want to eat green leafy vegetables. I don't want to eat cabbage. I don't want to eat that. But the thing is that's what we're designed to eat. And those um, give our bodies the nutrients to resist that. Anyway, these are some of the messages your father's transferring to you now. And what's interesting about this, why is he doing it now? Because you're open, you're eager, you're relaxed, you're tuned in. And so yeah. we're talking about tuning into the frequency and he's letting you know this. Hey, um, before we go back to, to the interview with me, he showed me a ruby, a ruby. Now, this could mean a ring or a piece of jewelry with a ruby in it, but it could also mean like a name like Ruby or Rudy, but But usually when I get Rudy's, it's a trigger for some type of event in July, maybe connected to you, maybe connected to him uh, or someone close to to either of you, a birth, death, anniversary or event sometime in July.
0: Well, when you said Ruby, that's where you said that because like my, my, I talked to another psychic, I had her on the show and she told me about a ring too. She said, my dad was trying to tell me about a ring, but I don't know about a ring, like. And, and don't, don't, you, don't worry about the ring.
1: Let's go with July. First okay. anniversary anniversaries or events.
0: Maybe my mom and dad's anniversary might be in July. I can't think of it right now. I'm not sure. All right. well, make a
1: note them. of that. Make a note of that. Check it later. Okay. Um, and, and it'll make sense to you. So anyway, that's an example of when you start, you know, when you bring the deflector shields down. Okay, then you're going to be able to tune into the afterlife frequency. And if I can, we have five different brainwave frequencies. There's gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Gamma is super high function. I would say like, you know, people that win Jeopardy 20 times in a row, they're like wallowing in gamma. Okay, just really high frenetic, running your brain at full throttle. Beta is, is the awake and conscious state. It's what we're doing right now. We're in beta. Then, when you start to relax, that's alpha. Okay. It's when you meditate, you start daydreaming, it's when you, you know, drifting to sleep. Um, then, theta is dream sleep, deep dream sleep. And then, delta is very low brainwave frequency, uh, frequency and function, but that's important too, because that's when your body rebuilds cells and, and heals and fights infections. The alpha theta border is where psychic activity occurs. um, Normally, this takes several hours in the sleep state, which is why so many people receive visitations from loved ones during dreams. And you can tell the difference between a dream and a visitation because a visitation feels real and it's coherent. You you were going to say something. Go ahead.
0: I just was going to say that I I I I know of the theta realm because I just wanted to chime in on that because I listen to binaural beats at night and they say they put you in a theta state. So you just explained that perfectly as to why. Is that dangerous going into a theta state from a binaural beat, or is that because you said the only one below that is delta? So it makes me wonder, like. You
1: know. Well, but the thing is, people like me, and we're not sure why, are able to go from beta, the awake state, to alpha theta within seconds, where normally it takes hours to accomplish this. Um, is it dangerous? Not necessarily. But the thing is, um, like with with people like me, with mediums, we have to be extra careful with our health because it's like I don't do more than two readings in a day um, because it's too draining. It's physically, emotionally exhausting. It's like a battery. Your energy wears down. You have to replenish it. So it's not dangerous per se, but, you know, a lot of mediums don't have the most uh, healthful habits, and a lot of them are are grossly obese because the brain feeds on sugar, and so after a session, they start, you know, hitting the the candy bars and the milkshakes and all this uh, when you should instead be, you know, eating proper complex carbohydrates maybe apples or raisins something like that instead of you know garbage food basically
0: yeah i was gonna say are you in touch with the the medium i can't read his name is escaping me right now but he used to be on the art bell show all the time he's one of the biggest known mediums in the world besides you like he's from uh he sounds like he has a new york accent you know who i'm talking about Don um, edward no uh he uh oh man his name's escaping me right now um I just know it might come back to me later, but um. well, we
1: all know each other. I mean, I know a lot of the famous mediums personally, but we know we're all aware of each other. Um, So so but, you know, it's important and, um, you know, it's it's important for everyone to take care of themselves. And what's interesting is a lot of the messages that are transmitted to us from the afterlife frequency are about healing and about health. If you look at um, you know Edgar Casey, I'm sure he's come up on your shows a lot. Yeah, Edgar Casey. Yeah, he was known as the sleeping prophet. There's different types of mediums. There's mental mediums like myself, where a spirit transmits information to me, and then I convey it to you. Then there's a trance medium like um, like Edgar Casey was, and basically he'd go into a sleep state, a trance uh, state. He was in the alpha theta state and and connect with spirits, and they would give him lots of um, uh, cures, healing mo- modalities and insights. And then the third category is the so-called physical mediums, um, You know where um, there have been historical uh, documentation of, of legitimate physical mediums who are supposed to be able to project ectoplasm, which is a substance from of the body that can take the form of the spirit communicating. I've observed a couple people who claim to be these, and to me, it was nothing short of fraud. So I've yet to see, um, it it was just like a sideshow carnival act, and and I don't even want to uh, waste any time talking about that.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you a couple, couple quick quick, quick hitters that I had here in my questions. Um, I heard you say in another view that you come from family mediums. You obviously said your parents were mediums. Have you ever done research on how far far back mediumship goes and how long do you, you know has it been in your family?
1: Well, mediumship in general goes back thousands of years. I mean, there's been documented accounts of people who communicated with spirits Back to ancient Egypt, uh, ancient India, certainly ancient Greece. Um, I think we did a show where we talked about that—the um, Oracle of Delphi, Delphi in in Greece for oh, that's seven,
0: right, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: seventeen hundred years. Okay, that's a long time. Um, uh, it was like from twelve, uh, no, thirteen hundred BC up to about the year four hundred. Um, in, in uh, ancient Greece, um, people would come to, to meet with the oracles who were the, were the psychics there. And uh, certainly there's accounts that go much, much further than that. With my family, I've researched it back into the 1890s on both sides of the family. So it was my dad, and he had three sisters and a brother, and one of his sisters, Marjorie, was a medium, Um, His mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace, were all mediums. And then my mom's side of the family, it was definitely her and her grandmother, uh, whose name was Giovanna. And what's cool about Giovanna is PBS did a special back in 2016, Robert. It was called The Italian Americans. I love that.
0: I'm Italian. Okay, you're Italian. All
1: right. So there was a two nights, it was four four hours, two hours each night. They actually did a seven-minute segment. On Giovanna, and she was known as the woman who knows things in the um, North New Jersey and uh, New York Italian community.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, they reference. I can imagine it. Like you know, it's like an old school Italian lady, like who who knows, like the woman who knows. That's so cool. Like I'd love to see that. I really would.
1: Yeah, it was it was so cool because on the commercials, my cousins are calling me like, did you see that? You know? So we're all calling each other back and forth. And um, in fact, I've written about Giovanna in in um, definitely in my my first book. And I believe that. I Yeah. And she also appears in my second book, Evidence of Eternity. But in The Afterlife Frequency, I wanted to focus more on the scientific basis for spirit communication.
0: Yeah. That that sounds, is amazing. Um, some, I, 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 I pause it, it's fine. You, you go ahead. Sorry.
1: Okay. No, I'm just waiting for your question.
0: Oh, okay. So how do, how can we go get into this? Like, how can we tap into the afterlife frequency? Well,
1: if, everybody does. And the thing is, Robert, not everybody is a medium or a psychic. And a lot of my colleagues, they write these books, they have courses, become a medium. And the thing is, that's like me saying, I will teach you how to swim, and then you'll be able to win a gold medal in the Olympics. In other words, everybody can swim, but not everybody's going to end up being a Michael Phelps. Um, You know, you can bang around on a piano but that doesn't mean you're going to be an Elton John or a, you know, a a Rachmaninoff or or Chopin or something like that. But, but on the flip side of the karmic coin, everybody can benefit from, from these experiences. And so I was trying to figure out how to explain to people who weren't mediums, how, how can you benefit? How can you have a psychic or a mediumistic experience And I was trying to write this and I hit the dreaded writer's block. And Robert, I I mean, I I just couldn't come up with the thing. So I decided to go for a walk and I'm walking down my driveway because I live near the ocean. I figured I'm going to go up up the street to one, take a walk on the beach. But all of a sudden I get these cold chills and tingles and I do an about face and I head towards this bike path. So I'm walking down this bike path and the cold chills and tingles. I knew that was spirits, okay? Because they're electromagnetic energy. And on this bike path, I see these two objects shining in the light and it's a nickel and a penny. So I'm going to pick it up. All right, and you'll, you'll appreciate this. I hear my mom's voice and she says, it's heads down, if it's heads down, it's bad luck. Now Italians, don't we have a superstition for all no. occasions? <laughs> okay, so I'm laughing because I'm hearing my mom from the other side. Then I hear my dad, it's money, grab it. So I'm laughing even more and I'm, I'm holding in my hand this nickel and this penny. And I go, oh, six cents. And they go, oh, my God, six cents. So like, okay, okay, mom and dad, what are you trying to tell me? And then I see an image of my dad standing in the ocean up to his waist. He's holding this blue canvas raft that he had when I was a kid. And I'm like, okay, so my dad was a Navy SEAL. He was a, a scuba diver. He was a swimming instructor. I go, Dad, what are you trying to tell me? Mom, what are you trying to tell me? And all of a sudden it hit me, raft. Teach people how to recognize signs from spirits like this, accept it as real, which I did, feel it without overthinking it, very important, and then trust the message. I go, Oh my God, that's it. So I run back to my computer and I just like 10 paragraphs came flying out of me. And um, that was the raft technique. And so that's how people to answer your question that's how people can can um can engage in spirit communication even if you're not a medium and a psychic because spirits are around us all the time and they're going to send us messages and signs and so you can start recognizing them okay every time um maybe i see see this type of bird or i i i, I get this type of feeling all right i'm recognizing that sign except that it's real it's the third step feeling without overthinking. That's where people hit the brick wall. Oh, it's just my imagination. It's a coincidence. I'm making it up. I just want this to be, get rid of that. Okay, feel it without overthinking it and then trust the message. And you'll know to trust the message because messages from spirits are always about love, healing, inner peace and resolution. They're never about motivating someone to commit acts of anger bigotry, hatred, or violence. So all these people that go around saying, oh, let's start an insurrection. Oh, let's put on a bomb vest. Oh, that has nothing to do with the divine. That has nothing to do with God. That has nothing to do with spirituality. That's just a narcissistic sociopath looking for moral justification to commit acts of anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence. True spiritual messages are about love, healing, resolution, peace, and they can also give you a warning, protection, you know, give you the heads up to avoid a, a, a dangerous person, place, or thing. I mean, I've got lots of examples about that, so, so I hope that answers your question, and, that, and the RAF technique is a key component to the afterlife frequency, and it's not just for situations like that, Robert. It can be applied for people trying to make sense of a near-death experience. Or a deathbed vision, and I know we were talking earlier before the show. You said you wanted to talk about deathbed visions. Um, yeah, because
0: I've never heard much about them. I've, I've heard, I've had a lot of people come on my show about near-death experiences, and I want to get your opinion on those. But I want to know what, like, but if you want to get into that first, like, share, the shared death experience and the deathbed well, then, stories. What is that? Vision. I know that's two different things, but yeah, no,
1: they're not. They're not that. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay. A near-death experience is where somebody dies and their consciousness leaves the body and it travels. It'll go um, through a tunnel, not it, you will go through a tunnel into the light. You may encounter deceased loved ones. You may even encounter a greater intelligence that can be interpreted, dare I say, God. And, And in that instance, even the word God is too limiting because it's just so vast and then you return. That's why it's a near-death experience. A deathbed vision occurs when somebody is dying. They're, they, they're terminally ill, and these have been documented for centuries. There's even um, paintings from like four or five hundred years ago of people in a bed with loved ones around, and you see angels and, and uh, you know, spiritual entities Because, you know, artists were were, uh, documenting these. And in a deathbed vision, somebody starts to talk to or interact with spirits of their loved ones who've passed. And it's very interesting, but it gets even better. People in close proximity to the dying person, people who are not in any danger of dying, will see those spirits too. This could be family members close friends hospice workers other healthcare workers and so it goes from a deathbed vision then to a shared death experience because as this person is transitioning what's happening is their brain is is dying and their brain is no longer able to regulate the amount of electromagnetic energy flowing through it and so as the brain is be uh, is no longer able to contain the the um, the the energy of the soul. It's emitting waves of frequency, which people in close proximity, their brains begin to pick up on, and so that's why it becomes a shared death experience. And the thing is, these have been documented for thousands of years, but people have been afraid to say anything for you know social stigma, and so what we're finding now. In in uh, near death experience studies, this is kind of the the new area that we're researching much more heavily, and and so this is more common than people think. And then, and then when the person actually dies, people in close proximity may see the room get brighter for a moment. They may actually see. Um, a spirit, uh, a replica of the person's body come out of them. They may hear beautiful music. A lot of people say, I felt a dizzy sensation, like I was coming, you know, like I was being lifted off my feet. What's happening is they're getting caught up in the sensation, the energetic transfer from the dying person from the material world dimension to the afterlife frequency dimension. And so these are all things that are being documented, and it's all over the world. Even Iran uh, has a branch of the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And even China, doctors in China are reporting these. China, a country which is largely atheist, okay? A country that, that, that you know, ruthlessly suppresses uh, religion and belief in the afterlife, their doctors are reporting this as well. So it's really quite fascinating. And also, you know, I love your show, Typical Skeptic. Well, this is where belief in the afterlife goes from being a subjective topic to objective. Why? Because more than one person is experiencing that phenomenon.
0: Yeah, thousands of thousands of people, million, I don't know how many people, have, but a lot have had near-death experiences. And what I wanted to ask you was I've had a lot of people on my show about NDEs and, and I've listened to a lot of interviews on NDEs. Now, it seems like all NDEs are like the same. Like you said, the, the example, but I've had a, a lady come on my show who shared examples of close encounters while they were in a near-death experience, which is really strange. Have you ever heard of this?
1: What do you mean by close encounters with
0: like the, instead of seeing like their their family or or you know angels in a near death experience, they saw extraterrestrials in a near death experience, which is like yeah. And uh, her name was Cheryl Gottschall. She's uh, part of the Australian UFO Association. Really nice lady. You know, like she came on my show and she shared. Two, two instances of this where this has happened. Like she didn't have any other occurrences other than that, but she did have two instances and she felt they were pretty solid. I just want to see if you've ever heard anything like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard of that quite a bit. And, y- you know, it's I, I keep an open mind for everything because I've done readings uh, for people who um, claim to be and who I believe after after interacting with them were abducted. And, you know, at one time saying you believed in UFOs and alien abductions, you know, people thought you were crackers. Except earlier this year, the United States government came out and said UFOs are real. Yeah. Okay. And not just the US government, the Canadian government, the British government, the French government. I mean, it's, it's worldwide. Okay. Guess what? They're real. And, and you know, really, it's, 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 it's seriously, if you look at the stars at night, and if NASA indicates that there is at least 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone, that very well could have Earth-like planets around them. I mean, let's get real here. You know, this whole thing, that we're the only thing in the universe. I mean, that's just arrogance and stupidity, um, you, know, <laughs> you know. But um, with aliens, with extraterrestrials, and um, you ever interviewed Mike Ricksecker? Yeah, um, he's
0: a nice guy. I forget yeah, the edge was, of the rabbit hole. Edge of the
1: rabbit hole, right? Yeah, I was in his uh, documentary, um, The Shadow Dimension, and we talked about interdimensional beings, like the shadow people who come through. Um, are they spirits or are they travelers from another dimension or is it all of the above? And the same thing may be with UFOs. And so... What we're hap- what's happening here, and I explain this in the afterlife frequency, is that when we die, we are quantum leaping from the material world dimension to, to the, other, uh, the afterlife frequency, the other side dimension. And all of this is explainable through quantum physics. And so I want people to realize when you hear quantum physics, my book is not a boring textbook treatise. I explain this in a way anyone can understand it and then illustrate it with stories to keep keep things moving. Because I mean, look, you know, I suffered through enough boring books in law school and in the practice of law. I'm not going to inflict that on anybody else. But one of my, my key theories in the afterlife frequency is the electromagnetic soul to describe who and what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is a eternal electromagnetic energy. Now, how did I come to this? Well, for thousands of years, every great spiritual teacher, whether it was uh, the Hindus of ancient India, the Egyptians went through Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Confucius, Lao Tzu, Muhammad, Native American spirituality, all holds that the spirit, the who and what we are, spirit or soul in the realms of faith, consciousness in the realms of science and psychology, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on when the body dies. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. The field of neuroscience, which studies the human brain, the brain has an electromagnetic field. And so the brain And and neuroscience cannot explain how the brain creates consciousness. Why? Because it doesn't. See, your brain no more creates your consciousness than your computer hard drive created Windows uh, 10 or 11. In other words, the brain is a hosting device for the EMS, the electromagnetic soul. And when I've introduced this theory, a number of scientists have already adopted it and are using it because it's in conformity with their research. That being said, everything vibrates on on the subatomic level because we have molecules we are made of atoms, which are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons, which in turn are made of quanta. So everything at the most basic level is composed of electromagnetic energy, and everything vibrates at different frequencies. So this pen on the quantum level is made of the same electromagnetic energy that I am, that you are, Robert, that all the listeners are. And guess what? Light also is composed of electromagnetic energy, radio waves, the crust of the earth, the mantle of of all the planets, the nuclear reactions in the sun, but everything vibrates at different frequencies. And because we're alive, we have this higher vibration. And then when we physically die and the EMS, the electromagnetic soul is, is liberated from the physical confines of a body. It then goes to a higher frequency. In other words, we're living in AM. When you die, you jump to FM.
0: <laughs> like a radio. Yeah. I heard you explain that in another podcast. And I thought that was good. It's like on to, it's a different, completely different frequency. And, um, yeah, the, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And I'm going to continue. I'm sorry. I, I was I was trying to think of a question I had, but it kind of escaped my mind.
1: Well, it's let me tell you, it's a lot to wrap your wrap your head around when you get into this. But then when you start reading it um, in in the afterlife frequency, it it makes it easier because the thing is, the thing is, like I was saying, you know, when you hear about quantum physics, people go, "Oh my gosh." Well, I'm not going to sit there and throw calculations after calculation at you, okay? People like Stephen Hawking and Max Tegmark and Max Planck, I mean, they've they've done that. But the concepts, once you begin to understand those, it's like, oh, so that's how it works. And what happened for me, I was eight years old, and my dad was my hero. He worked with astronauts, okay, literally. And one night, we were looking at the stars, and he said, and 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 I was always asking questions, okay, why, how, what is this, what is forever, you know, and he said, Mark, there's no such thing as a mystery, there's only a question for which we have not yet discovered the answer, and that answer will come from science, and this also explains the spiritual, because Robert, What's happened over over the last four hundred years since Sir Isaac Newton is people of science are in one corner, people of faith are in the other. People of faith look at the science people as a bunch of blasphemous heretics who who are wrong and they're going to burn in you know hell. And the people of science look at the people of faith as a bunch of paranoid, superstitious, fear based you know wallowing in that. The truth of the matter is that what people of faith have been talking about when it comes to eternal life and the soul is now being able to be proven through quantum physics so the divide between the two camps is beginning to dissolve so i believe that we're living in a very exciting and fascinating time and that um, we're you know the technology is, is here and is being developed to detect and communicate with spirits. Until then, that technology is us.
0: Yeah, and I think this is amazing. And I think your book is doing a, a good job of your books, not just the asteroid frequency, but the evidence, to, evidence to Eternity. Because I, I like what you're doing because you're kind of bringing the spirituality and the alternative world to the mainstream. You know what I mean? Cause if you look at our community, like, you know, if you look at my show, my show is not mainstream, you know what I mean? But right. you're, you're bringing alternative topics to mainstream audiences. Cause I see you when I do research for our shows, I see you on these daytime talk shows I'm like, wow, we're on like daytime TV. That's really impressive. Like, And you're doing readings for people. And I think that's what needs to be brought to the mainstream audience. Cause they need to start understanding that these things are real, that NBEs are real and and that uh, this can be um, brought into science and they can merge together. So there isn't that divide. I think that divide was just kind of like what you said, it was just an unknowing. And the unknowing made them um, have some kind of a prejudice towards each other, the scientists and the faith, you know what I mean? But now, like you said, there's no more need for that.
1: I I think that you know, change is particularly when it comes to matters of faith takes time. Yeah, and you know the the hardcore um, science people who say I don't believe in an afterlife, it, it's like it's it's almost hypocritical to say that something's impossible because science isn't a stagnant state. I mean, if you and I could go in, you know, back to the year nineteen hundred with a microwave oven. And you know, of course, <laughs> they would think it's magic. It, yeah, I put these corn kernels in, they pressed a button and it turned into popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Seconds. They would think, yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. And And what is it doing? Oh, wait, it's taking a form of electromagnetic energy, microwaves and the microwaves are being beamed at something and rapidly decomposing the water molecules in it, and voila, okay? Um, so, so the idea of a microwave oven would have been fantasy in 1900, and here we are in, in 2021 going into 2022, and uh, how many people don't have a microwave?
0: yeah i got a question for you and i just thought of this i I wanted to ask you this because it wasn't on my list of questions but i have to get your opinion i used to own a copy of the tibetan book of the dead and if people listen to my show they're probably like here he is talking about this book again because i mentioned it a couple times in my 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 podcast that this book really freaked me out like i threw it away I, i i shouldn't throw books away i know i should donate them but like when I would look at the book of the dead it would really make me face like my inevitable fate and like I don't think I was ready for it then and now I think I would be more open to you know reading it but I know it talked about the Bardo states how um relevant is this and I mean does it have anything to do with like reality or, or is it just a i mean like I right, wait, hold, hold on hold
1: on what is the question i'm not sure what the question is the
0: tibetan book of the dead and the right they came up the conclusions that they came up with that like when we die we go into these bardo states and stuff like that like yeah just, i don't
1: buy that i'm sorry and with okay. all due
0: respect
1: to my tibetan counterparts and i don't want to offend everybody but i hear all this nonsense not just from that but from other mediums oh when you die like there's this orientation and you go to like the purple water fountain and be, 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 be. it's like look <laughs> yeah i mean it's like look let's let's get past all that nonsense when you die your brain your electromagnetic soul electromagnetic energy all forms of it light gamma rays infrared ultraviolet uh radio waves um x-rays all moves at the speed of light 186,282 miles per second. In the time it took me to say that a spirit your your dad's spirit could have been back and forth to the moon like four or five times. Okay. So when you die, your EMS leaves, you revert back to a purely um, energetic state. If there is an orientation, it took point zero, 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 one seconds. Okay. (laughs) Okay, orientation.
0: That's insane. Yeah, Yeah, see,
1: the the mistake is, you know, when I hear this, as above, so below. Nonsense. If a spirit comes through to you and he said, oh, okay, your dad came through and there he is sitting in his favorite restaurant um, that he had here on earth, that must mean he's sitting at his favorite restaurant eating chicken parmesan. No. What spirits do is because they're purely energetic entities. They're emitting waves of frequency to us. That frequency goes into our brain and gets converted into recognizable concepts based on memories, feelings, and our cultural associations. Your dad wants you to know he's happy. So what he does is he's creating a construct in your mind's eye of his favorite restaurant eating his favorite food. Why? Because you and I couldn't possibly understand what it's like to be a purely energetic energy entity connected to the collective consciousness, meaning linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, and move at the speed of light. So instead, they give us something we can understand. And I've seen this in readings, and I've asked spirits this. Like I was doing a session for this, this um, lady, and her mother and father came through, and her father showed me, uh, he was in uh, Montana riding a horse, and there was a campfire. And then his mother her mother was at a villa in Napa Valley overlooking a vineyard. And she, she said, that's interesting. My father loved to go horseback riding and did all the cowboy stuff in Montana. She goes, that's when he was happiest. She said, my mom couldn't stand that. She liked going to Napa Valley to vineyards. Now, were they actually there? No, they came together and they gave me each of these scenarios to let them know this was them at their happiest because that we can't understand a purely energetic state. Albert Einstein described the inability to understand the infinite like this. A four-year-old walks into a library, and the four-year-old looks at all the books, all these stacks of books, and the four-year-old knows that they are books and knows that there's something written in them, and the four-year-old knows that something wrote them but doesn't understand it. We're the four-year-old.
0: Yeah, and, and death is the subject. I, mean, I get it. Like, that's, that's pretty insane. It's, it's insanely interesting. Like, that's such a great metaphor. Like, you know, Well, okay. that's Albert
1: Einstein, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, he certainly, um, certainly had an understanding that, uh, that exceeded um, the scope of, of most, most people even beginning to come close to grasp
0: he was very ahead of his time. And so someone else I wanted to mention that there's a famous person that you brought up and I thought this was amazing was I heard you say that George Lucas had an NDE and that was his uh, influence for, you know, like talking about the force, which now we could think of as like, you know, like our, our manifestation power, you know, like, you know, the forces could be like what we use to try to manifest like the law of attraction. Like what are your thoughts? And and was that real? Was it,
1: well, George Lucas was 16 years old. He was in a car accident and he was pronounced dead. And 20 minutes later, it came back to life. And he said he went into this transcendent realm. He went into the light. Interesting to note that with within like six years, he had his first draft of Star Wars. And I go into the afterlife frequency in, in depth explaining this because the force is how we're all interconnected and then anyone that's seen seen star wars and i'm sure you know i'm sure everybody that watches your show has seen star wars okay yeah, yeah. You know, star wars star trek that's sort of you know the standard standard uh for you know it's funny when people say oh i don't like star trek it's like well of course not that's the that's a show for intellectuals anyway um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man you're great
1: i'm joking i'm joking um but the, the thing is, the force is quantum physics. Everything is an energy. Everything is interconnected. And I, when I was in Hawaii and I was studying with uh, um, the, the lapu, uh, excuse me, the, um, the, the priests, the, the priests of the ancient Hawaiian religion, they call, they say the that it's. Is, is that
0: what they call? What
1: they call yeah, well, the means the expert in there, but there's a technical name for the priest. But yes, everything is mana. And mana is the frequency, the energy of all things. And so, you know, when you look at um, Hinduism, they talk about everything being interconnected. So does Buddhism. You know, Jesus talked about you know we're all brothers and sisters. You know, we're all all one human family. And pretty much all the faiths teach this. And so that's what the force is is the interconnectedness. And then in the book, I go and show other parallels about um, how. How his NDE affected um, him to the extent that it led to one of the most incredible creative accomplishments in certainly in modern history, which is Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I mean, you would think like like maybe he got a download or something. Like maybe he opened up a channel of information for him to process, right?
1: Well, sure. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. Is it affected him? If you look at a lot of people that had NDEs, um, Plato's Republic, he writes about an NDE that very well could have been his. In the book of Corinthians, uh, the apostle Paul talks about a man caught up in the third heaven. Okay. Wow. The third heaven is considered the realm of God. The first heaven's earth, the second heaven's the sky, the third heaven's heaven and many biblical scholars and nde researchers myself included have poured over this passage and we believe that paul was speaking of himself so throughout history um near-death experiences have impacted people look at okay it's christmas time the a christmas carol okay a christmas carol was charles
0: it's like a near-death experience i never thought of that
1: Think right. about it. He comes home, and who does he encounter? Jacob Marley, his partner who died, who's covered in the chains, and said, "Ebenezer, you must change, and then bah humbug, and all that, and then throughout the course of the night, the ghost of Christmas past, okay, and the ghost of Christmas present. Could that have been a life review, seeing when he was happy, and when he was a promising young man, and then the ghost of Christmas present showing him what he turned into, and then the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows a miserable end. He was completely forgotten and scoffed at. And actually, I gave this presentation to the International Association of Near Death Studies this year. And I used this example, and, and in my PowerPoint, I had slides and all um, um, to show what I was talking about, that five to 10% of people have NDEs have what's known as a distressing near-death experience, a DNDE, also known as a hellish NDE, where they don't go into the, the light and encounter love, but they see a, a void, a, a difficult realm. Now, is it hell or is it the zone in between the material world dimension, and the other side, but it could also be a cosmic wake-up call. And so what happens in A Christmas Carol? Scrooge comes out of it, stops being a Scrooge, and starts treating people with humanity, with compassion, with love. And guess what? That's one of the aftereffects of a near-death experience. People are more compassionate, more sympathetic. They feel interconnected. Money becomes less important. Time doesn't matter to them. They no longer fear death. They take joy in everything that they do. So I'm glad that you asked that because this is the perfect time of year to talk about how a Christmas carol very well could be an NDE, a description. And Charles Darwin, excuse me, Charles Darwin, Charles Dickens had more than one close encounter with death. Uh, So he could have been writing about his own experience, or he could have been compiling the experiences of other people, and being the creative genius that he was, created A Christmas Carol.
0: That's amazing. I, I love how you wove that into the story. I, I don't have really other questions. I just wanted to ask you something real quick. My last question, and, and before you, and you can share your website and everything, but I want my I had this guy. This guy, he's really great. His name is Michael, and he came on my show, and he was talking about NDEs, and he told the story of the uh, the king of Ur. I think it's you are, and um. That said, that was
1: from Plato's Republic. That's what I mentioned just a little bit ago.
0: Oh yeah, and he has a son, and that's where they get the. He told me that's where they get the. This, this the the words a hungry ghost because the kids dead for twelve days, right? And he comes back, and he says the, to help everybody on Earth, that there's like an afterlife, and it was—is that falling well, line with? What happened
1: was in Plato's Republic when uh, a soldier Er dies in battle, and then they have him on the funeral pyre, and they're about to light him on fire, and he wakes up, and they're like, oh, "Oh, put out the fire!" Well, he starts talking about going through a tunnel into the light. He comes back. He said that he met his deceased loved ones. He met this infinite um, love, white light and he talked about living a succession of lifetimes, in other words, reincarnation. None of that is in conformity with the ancient Greek religion. He didn't go into the light and encounter Zeus and Aphrodite and Apollo. Okay, the Greeks didn't believe in reincarnation. Um, so, So what did he experience? What he experienced contradicted religion that that he was raised in. And so Plato writes of this particular account. And so anyway, that, that's one of the things that's in the afterlife frequency, I go into, you know, much greater depth there, because I want to explain the different forms of spirit communication. But the, the book also is, if you know somebody who is coping with the loss of a loved one, and you don't know what to give them this holiday, this is the gift because it helps people who are coping with loss, with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. It, it addresses people who are victims of, of suicide, homicide, uh, sur- survivor's guilt. I mean, how many parents and, and who've lost a child are just crushed by survivor's guilt? And I do a lot of work with the organization, helping parents heal. Um, You know, to me, it's such that there's no greater calling than to help somebody who's coping with, with the most crushing, most debilitating loss of all, which is loss of a child. And, and so these are some of the things that, uh, that the afterlife frequency can do for, for the readers.
0: And I think that's amazing. I just want to note that you're a lawyer. I I might have said this at the beginning, but I'll just say it again. And for the new subscribers, Mark is a a professional lawyer. So he doesn't even have to do this. You do this as like your service to humanity, I think, right? You do it because you love to. Well,
1: yes. I mean, And I was practicing law full time. And then um, I decided it was more important for me to let all of that go and pursue my, my spiritual path. And this is my book, The Afterlife Frequency, and it's on sale worldwide. Um, You can get it on Amazon, all fine bookstores, like East West Bookshop in Seattle, uh, Body, Mind, and Soul in Houston. Um, Barnes &
0: Noble in Pittsburgh. Barnes &
1: Noble, all of them, all of them. And um, you can also go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. So I'm inviting everyone To visit my website, please sign up for my newsletter so you know when I'm going to be on shows like this one. And um, you can inquire about a one-on-one session with me because telephone sessions are just as accurate as in-person readings. Why? Because the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, moves at the speed of light. And also you can find out about ordering my book. And so that's all at
0: afterlifefrequency.com. No, so thank you. And I thank you for taking your time to do this, Mark. I really appreciate it. I had a great time as usual, and I can't wait until till next time to talk to you. You're one of my favorite guests, honestly.
1: Well, thank you. I always enjoy working with you. I feel like we're sitting at a at a coffee shop just hitting, hitting some coffee and just shooting the breeze.
0: That's my favorite thing I love coffee so you must know me you really know me because I I, I was I had a cup of coffee here but I try not to drink it during the show but you know but I, I get what you're saying man I love it thank you so much Mark have a good night
1: Thank you Robert many blessings
0: you too.